children for the music. It's awesome. Love it. It's such a gift. Somebody's been messing with my stand, <laughs> which is okay. So um, as I was uh, preparing my sermon for, for today, I, I just every now and then just kind of start searching around for things, ideas, possibilities, really sometimes not even related to a theme or an idea I have for the sermon. I just, that's, that's part of my process is just getting into some stuff. And as I was doing that this, this past week, uh, uh, Susan kind of chipped in and helped me out with this. And, and um, we were looking at uh, um, a, a Wikipedia page on, because uh, Wikipedia is always 100% correct, right? Uh, looking at a Wikipedia page on uh, French Gothic architecture. Don't ask me how I got, we got there. We got there. But uh, French Gothic architecture is, uh, it was around and popular for at least a couple hundred years, and it's, it's taken on a form in, in, in modern times as well, but uh, kind of Renaissance era stuff. But if you, if you think about the big European cathedrals, if you've ever seen pictures of those, they are, they're just enormous for, for starters, but the, but the stained glass and, and the, the detail of the design is just almost incomprehensible in terms of, of the complexity of it. And, uh, and I got to looking at that, and there's, there's, a, there's, a, there's a whole uh, kind of niche piece of French Gothic architecture that is called flamboyant. And flamboyant is a, is a French term, and uh, this is an architecture that is, like I said, very detailed, even more so than, than the others, and uh, uses a, 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 an idea of tracery. Uh, not wasn't able to really fish that out. If you're an architect, I, I need your help with that at some point. But uh, uh, I looked at it, and, and it's, it was quite an interesting part of it. It doesn't comprise the whole of any structure that was, that was built at the time, but it is incorporated into a number of them. And, and I like that idea of complexity uh, around flamboyant architecture um, in, in, in the sense that, for me, the season of Lent is, is like that. It's like that complexity, and, and it's, it's an up and down for me. Um, we, we, we even saw that maybe here today, that, you know, uh, when the kids talk about, okay, Lent's a time to give up something, but it's also a time to kind of look inwardly at yourself, and it's a time to give something to someone else, and there's all kinds of different ways of being. And then the, the, then, then the complexity also lies in, you know, the date is different year in and year out. We're, we're a little earlier this year than, than other, other years. And so there's a lot of pieces and parts to Lent that make, for me as a pastor, this the, the most complicated and complex time in my life, both in terms of my own faith life and spirituality, but, but, but in my work as a pastor as well. And, and we have here uh, in Psalm 13, and I wanted to just focus on this psalm because I think it's so powerful, and it, it speaks both to Lent, and I suspect it speaks to, to your life, or at least at some point in your life, in the, in the same way it, it, it does for me from time to time in my own. It's an expression of grief by the psalmist, this Israelite identified here as David, David, who is experiencing complete 
spiritual abandonment. And it's a plea for restoration of relationship with God. A relationship that David thought he once had. So basically, what you have just heard, Psalm 13, 1 through 6, is a complaint to God. David registers a complaint to God. Did you know you could do that? You could complain to God. You can. You can complain to God. The psalm opens with that powerful question, how long? How long, O God? And it's asked in those first couple of verses three times. How long? How long will will I have to wait? How long will you abandon me? What did you do this for? It, it is that, it, it's that complaint of, 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 of the psalmist that gets this started. And this question asking how long seems to imply that David has been forgotten. But we can't take the word forget uh, out, of, out of this text as a, as a sense that the cognitive part of God. God has just forgotten us and doesn't remember who we are. It's not about that at all. Rather, it's a sense of being ignored. God, you're just, you're just not giving me attention anymore. And that's, that's the, the most grievous complaint possible. It wasn't an accident that God forgot. God's just not paying attention to him. And this doesn't sit well with David. And he wants his God back. The Psalms are not the only place where this happens. There, there's also a, 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 a text in Isaiah 54, 7 through 9. And the prophet speaks for God in that. And, and the text is this. For a brief moment, this is God speaking through the prophet. For a brief moment, I abandon you. But with deep compassion, I will bring you back. In a surge of anger, I hid my face from you. But with everlasting kindness, I will have compassion on you, says the Lord, your Redeemer. The text basically is saying, as as Psalm 13 does, I was mad as heck at you, and I gave up on you, and I walked away from you. But then God in both texts says, but only for a moment. Because I'm going to gather you up with kindness. I'm going to gather you up like a mother hen gathers her chicks. And I will have compassion on you. But the part that sticks for me is that only for a moment this is going to happen. (laughs) I don't know about you. But I've had some long moments in my life. What does that moment look like? What's the moment like for a child living in the ravages of abuse in their family? How long is a moment for a lost soul contemplating ending it all for themselves? How long is that brief moment for one who hears from their doctor, I'm sorry, there's nothing else we can do? How long? And that's where David cries out. 
how long? Three times, how long, how long? The scholarly literature around this and, and, and the rest of the Psalter, the book of Psalms, seems to, to give us some help here in, in understanding this, at least in, in, in the Hebrew scriptures of the Old Testament. And, and in the last verse of this, you know, but I trusted in your steadfast love. I've talked about that idea. The Hebrew word for, for, for steadfast love is chesed, chesed. And in, in scholarly literature, it, it, is, it is known as a steadfast love that is beyond reckoning. And it, it occurs in the Old Testament 250 times. So it's a powerful word. It's something that is on the minds of the people. When they hear about this steadfast love, they're tuned in to what is being said. They understand what this means at its depth. So the psalmist expresses a favorable response from the deity. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. So there is this idea that how long, it's a long time, but out of it comes hope and possibility, restoration of that relationship. Salvation is decidedly this worldly and deliverance from any number of dangers and stresses happens because God does not really forever forget. That's the promise. Why is this important? Our, our theme for this season of Lent is roll down justice. And, and where, where does this begin to feed into it? I see Lent as this time of looking at our lives, our relationship with God, and, and who we are as a people of faith, as a community of faith. And all the other pieces and parts of Lent that we consider and think about are important. We must be attentive to them to the work of worship together, especially those in Holy Week and as we approach Easter. We can't get to Easter without going through all of this. It is the journey of our lives. It was the journey of the life of Jesus and his followers in his time. And we must live it out again. Because we will surely, in our lives at some point, live it as well in our own context. So it's important in, in the theme that we have here that we, we acknowledge first our own pain and hurt, any sense of abandonment that we have, the pain we feel for others. We need to know and be in touch with that. It's a part of being human, and I think it's a part, if you're like me, I sometimes want to just push that away. You know, I want to be happy. I want to be happy all the time. But that's not real life, is it? Sometimes it's a real challenge. It's a struggle. And it's only out of our lives of faith and teaching in the scriptures that we can understand our own pain and the pain of others and begin to, to know sympathy and, and empathy. And we know that it, only, it is only with God's help that we change ourselves and grow from the depth of that hurt, of that pain, of that loss, of that sense of abandonment. It is only within us and our faith applied that we grow into deeper and more challenging places in our life in terms of our relationship with God. 
You see, the, 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 the psalmist here has a, has a complaint. There's enough trust that God will hear his complaint. That's faith. That's deep faith to know that we can, we can do that. We can bring that anger, righteous anger, to God. And that's the work that we do in terms of social justice, is to see the pain and the abandonment that others feel. And does the church bring a healing balm to them? That which heals them and comforts them and brings hope. You see, our God is not a God who forgets. It might seem like God forgets, but as I said earlier, it's not from the mind of God that we are forgotten. It's more a matter of, eh, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Because God says, I will be back. There are those times where I tell myself just that. And then I say once again, but God, I think you're still ignoring me. It evokes a lot of images for me of a, of a hidden God. I don't like the idea of a hidden God. I want to know my God. I want to know my God, right? We can't know. We can't even comprehend what that means to know God, despite it being our path, our search. And so the petty part of me comes out. How long are you going to ignore me, God? Why are you being a jerk? <laughs> How long are you going to keep running away from me? Do you think I can for you can forget me forever? Have the decency to tell me how long. But we don't get that. Because we know, and we try to remember in our minds and our hearts that, that God cares, irrespective. God is there always. But the tone of this text and the one from Isaiah, it, it's raw, it's bitter, it's harsh. But there is that promise, but I'll return. I'll gather you up again. And I like that maternal idea that we're gathered up. As we go through the season of Lent, I don't want you to focus on a forgetful God, but a God that remembers. We know what God does not forget. God does not forget that we are beautiful children God created. God does not forget to remind us over and over in ways that we don't even see sometimes just how deeply we are loved and cherished either through our interactions with one another or through experience of love and grace directly from God. But there are things that God does forget. We are assured of this time and time again in the scripture and in the teachings of the church, in our faith lives, our whole lives, we've heard it said over and over. We are loved regardless of what we do, Regardless of any sins we have committed, we can go to God, we can ask for forgiveness, we can be filled again with God's love. God forgets our sin. God pushes it aside and looks at us once again as beautiful children. That's what helps me through Lent. 
is a focus on that in a world where we are deeply divided in so many ways. And we're seeing conflict and social issues around the world that are quite, feel quite threatening and foreboding. There is this God among us who says, I simply love you all. Come to me, for I have come back to you. That's the circle. It's there all the time. We live in it with God. There are no easy answers. There's no quick fix on how to restore a relationship with God. It is simply our work to live into it deeply. To know our lives as the wellspring of possibility. To look inward at who we are, the things we don't tell anyone else. And to know that God knows them and despite them loves us and cares for us in ways we can't comprehend. That is the steadfast love. That is the loyalty that God brings to us in any crisis, in any time of feeling abandoned. We are gathered up once again. So as a gathered people, let us continue through this season of Lent to grow in our faith and our sense of God's presence among us, the God who loves us, despite ourselves. Amen. Thank you.